Hey, V1 Church, welcome to the V1 Church podcast. Rich Wilkerson Jr. is going to deliver a powerful word this week, and I am so excited for you to receive from him. As a matter of fact, I cried listening to the message because it was so impactful. So go ahead, take a deep dive into the word with him, and I have a very special message for you on the other side of his sermon, so make sure you stick around for the end for the announcement. Well, come on, how are we doing, V1 Church? Happy Sunday. What a joy, what a privilege it is for me to come and share the word with you guys today. Man, I have so loved hearing about your church and all that God has done in just the four years that you guys have begun. Three different locations, thousands of people gathering. Honestly, it's nothing short of a miracle. And I want to just take a moment and honor your leaders, your pastors, two faithful people who are pouring themselves out week in and week out faithfully in the New York area. Pastor Mike and Julie, um, I send my greetings. My wife, Dawn Cherie, she says, hello. We love you guys. We're praying for you. And of course, we're even cheering for you. I think in this thing called ministry, it's a small fraternity. It's a small sorority of men and women who've decided to say, you know what? I want to plant a church and I want to lead a church and I want to give my life to a city and give my life to a people. And so anybody who's doing that and making that commitment and lifting up the name of Jesus, well, they have my support and they have my prayers. And so our hearts and our prayers are with you. I know it's been a, a difficult, challenging season for your church, especially those of you that are used to gathering physically and love going to church and being together in proximity. I know the distance has been disturbing for so many people, but I just want to continue to encourage everybody who's watching today that your support your faithfulness, your generosity, your lean in, it matters now today, maybe more than it ever has before. So keep on leaning in, keep on participating. I know in this season, it's really easy to become a spectator, but I'm telling you what, spectators don't change anything. It's people that get into the game and say, where is the need and how can I fill it? And so I just wanna to continue to challenge and encourage everybody a part of V1. Man, the best days for your church are in front of you, not behind you. Uh, my name is Rich. If we've never gotten to meet before, I, I wish I was coming today in person, but uh, I pastor a church here in Miami, Florida called Vu Church. And right around this season, February, March, April, come on, how many know, uh, I think Jesus is hanging out a lot in Miami. That cold weather there in New York City, whew, uh, you have our prayers. Uh, we started our church five years ago, right here in the heart of Miami. And God has done incredible things really in the last five years. We've seen him do exceedingly, immeasurably, more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Uh, I'm married to one woman, praise God, for the last 14 years. Her name is Dawn Cherie. We have two sons, uh, Wyatt and Wild Wesley. I know, we're those parents, like who names their kid Wild? It was a prophetic gesture to say the least. This boy isn't just wild, he's borderline crazy. He has not surrendered his life to Jesus yet. So pray for us and pray for our home that our sinner of a son would be converted. Now he is only one years of age, so he's got a little bit of time, but uh, our family says hello and we wish we could be with you. We also, by the way, uh, have a little girl on the way. Uh, my wife and I went on an eight year journey of infertility, waiting and praying. We discovered in those seasons that a waiting season doesn't have to be a wasted season, amen? 
that, that God, he can teach you and he can develop you. And after eight years of waiting, God gave us our firstborn son, our secondborn son. And then we just announced just a couple of months ago that my wife is pregnant with baby number three. We're having a girl. Thank you, Jesus. We can't wait to experience this miracle. And so today, I just want to take a moment. I want you to know a little bit about me that um, I think that V1 and VU Church, I don't know if there's a correlation there. I like the Vs, but we probably have a whole lot more in common than maybe you might even know. And in this season of life, how many know it's important that you feel like you have support and it's important that you understand that there's others out there like you that are sharing in the same suffering, but are also being faith-filled throughout the turbulence, throughout the tribulation, throughout the, the, the trial, that together we're better. And VU Church and V1 have a great mission in front of us, and that is that we're called to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. And so I wanted to take a few moments today, and I wanted to draw your attention to just two little verses. It's from a parable that Jesus taught in the Gospel of Mark. At VU Church right now, we are spending six months in the Gospel of Mark, and so I want to just show one little parable that Jesus taught that's been speaking to me. Mark chapter 4, verse 30. Mark chapter 4, verse 30. Uh, starting in verse 30, this is what Jesus says. He says, again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? Jesus is saying, I want to describe and I want to get you the right picture of what my kingdom looks like. That's what V1 is trying to do. That's what VU is trying to do. We're trying to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. Verse 31 is important. Jesus says, it is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Just two verses today, but I think two verses that will be fitting for the season you find yourself in that will give you fuel to step into your future. I want to take those two verses and I want to preach from the concept, yet when planted. In fact, right there, wherever you're at, if you're watching at home or even in the chat, we just put yet when planted, yet when planted. Recently in Miami, I have been teaching our church about a principle and a concept that I like to call small faith. Everyone out loud just say small faith, small faith. I, I, I think many times when it comes to this idea of faith, many times uh, the only words we have associated with the idea of faith is words like suddenly, words like instantly or miraculous or uh, right now or phenomenon. Many times what happens to people is that these words are not wrong, but many times these words give us only one picture of what faith looks like, and it makes us think that faith should always be big and faith should always be epic. And there is no doubt that I think faith is big and faith is epic. I grew up in a strong Pentecostal home. I'm four generations Pentecostal preacher. My first slow dance was to our God is an awesome God. Holler at your boy if you got any idea about how I grew up. Uh, I grew up in charismania, and I am grateful for my heritage. I am grateful for my Pentecostal roots. I loved being in 
services and moments where God's power was showing up. I, I saw people healed. I've seen people, I've seen demons cast out of people. Like this is my heritage. I believe in all, I believe in all the Bible. I believe in all the crazy stuff. I remember as a young boy, I went to this crusade one time where there was a healing evangelist. Some of you right now, you're like, this is getting weird. Why did we have a guest preacher? Others of you are like, it's about time. V1 started talking about the real stuff. I went to this healing crusade and this preacher, he was praying for people. And um, when he would pray for people, when he put his hand on people, they would, they would fall over. And so people would stand behind them and they would catch the people falling over. And as a little boy, I was like mesmerized. Like, what is taking place? How is this happening? Look at that preacher. He's got God's power running through him. And I remember I, I went to my mom. I said, mom, um, what happens if the preacher prays for himself? And my mom said, Richie, what do you mean? I said, well, if he prays for himself, who's going to be there to catch him when he falls? I was so confused. How does he do it? How is that working? The power of God running through him that it was so strong that people would fall over under the presence of God. I love it. I was into it. Make no mistake about it. I believe in God's power. I believe in signs and wonders. In fact, I always tell our church, if I ever get sick in my body and there is not a doctor who can prescribe me medicine and there is not a surgery that can solve my problem, please do not knock on the door of some church that they believe that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Please do not take me to some pastor who doesn't believe that God can heal me right now today. No, you go find the most faith-filled person you got. Get all the oil in the house, anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I'm looking for a healing. I'm desperate for God to touch me. Don't get me wrong. I believe that faith does the impossible. All I'm wondering today is that because we only have one set of words attached to this concept of faith, I wonder if many times it's making us miss out on the daily miracles that are happening all around us. For many of us, it's turning our faith into an event instead of a lifestyle. See, God doesn't give you faith for the church conference. God doesn't give you faith for the Sunday morning church stream. God gives you faith for your everyday ho-hum kind of life. And if you're not careful, if you only have one set of words to describe faith, big, epic, awesome, phenomenon, you will miss out on the daily miraculous things that are taking place all around you. I hope you understand that you, my friend, are a walking, talking miracle. Like you're looking for a miracle today, you don't have to look any further than your body. I mean, the human body is a miracle. The scripture says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Even the atheist scientist has to say amen to that. There's things about our body that they're still figuring out. I mean, how much information is in just one little bit of DNA? If you've been to study the human eye, the human eye is a phenomenon, but it's not just your body that we can't figure out. How about this earth that we're walking on? Every day, this place that we call home is a miracle. What holds it all together? How did it come to be? The very fact that the sun rose again today is nothing short of epic, V1. It's epic. But what happens to us is that we become familiar with these epic things and there's nothing like familiarity to diminish your faith. And many of us today, we're, we're letting 
our awe and our wonder be stolen right from beneath us because we've been familiar with what God has done and we're constantly looking around for something new or something suddenly to take place in our natural life that it's making us miss out on the power that we have within us right now, which is called small faith. See, what I have learned more times than not is that many of the big things that God does are on the heels of the small things that we do. Everybody wants to do something big for God. Not very many people are willing to do something small for God. I've learned in my life that it's been about small faith. When I think about faith, faith for me is a strength to stay patient. Patience, you do understand that patience is not the ability to wait. (laughs) Because no matter what, you're gonna be waiting. You don't get to decide the timeline. You're going to wait one way or another. Patience is not the ability to wait. Patience is how you wait. And when you have faith, what you'll find out is that you'll meet God's people. And although they haven't received everything they're believing for, and although they haven't gotten everything that they want yet, they're still walking in joy. They're still walking in peace. They're still walking in security and confidence because even though they're in the valley, they're waiting on a God. And our God says that when you wait on me, I shall renew your strength. My faith gives me patience to remain steadfast. Faith gives me a capacity to value small things. Faith in my life helps me celebrate the things that are so seemingly small that they look mundane and insignificant to you. But I'm able to celebrate because I recognize that God, when he does something big, oftentimes he uses something very small. I say it this way. We serve the slow, fast God. God is really slow and then he moves really fast. God is slow and then he's fast. And it's those that pursue him patiently that oftentimes will witness him moving suddenly. Listen to me. It is not the size of your faith that counts. It's the size of your God that does. This is what I want you to write down today. Because many of you, I want you to be encouraged from this concept yet when planted. Here's the thesis I'm working with. God can do something big with something very small. God can do something big with something very small. And in many ways, that is the principle that we discover in Jesus's teaching in Mark chapter four. I love the gospel of Mark. Uh, I've been preaching it now for the last uh, few months. And so I've got so many different sermons and ideas that I wanna share with you, but I'm gonna try to stay right here on these two little verses. The gospel of Mark is Jesus in action. It's one of these books of the Bible that um, you got to watch what Jesus does just as much as you listen to what he says. Uh, Mark uh, is the gospel that begins not with Jesus in the manger as a baby. You, you get full grown Jesus in action. And as you study it, it's the nuance. It's what he says. It's also what he doesn't say. It's his posture. It's his body language that you learn from the life of Jesus. But in Mark chapter four, Jesus is giving a collection of talks. He shares four different parables in a row. Don't have time to give them all to you. One parable in the very beginning is the parable of the sower. He talks about a farmer who sows seed, but it's not really about that seed in that story. It's all about the ground, the soil in which the seed falls on. How many know there's a difference between hearing something and receiving it? 
You might be listening today and you might be hearing what I'm saying. It doesn't mean that you're receiving what I'm saying. When it comes to God's word, when it comes to God's um, power, when it comes to God's um, principles, you actually have to receive them in order to apply them. And so he talks about the soil of our life. Do you have healthy soil? Today, as I preach, are you in a healthy place that your heart is open for God to do something in your life? Uh, the second parable is the one known as the parable of the lamp on the stand. And the whole point of the parable is the way that you hear the word is the way that you'll share the word. More often than not, when God does something in your life, he's doing something in you in order to do something through you. He does not want to share something with you in private that you simply keep to yourself. More often than not, that which he gives you in private is the thing that you bring out into public, that he wants you to have an overflow of what he's speaking to you, that you're called to shine bright. V1 Church, God has positioned you in New York City not to be apathetic, not to be quiet, not to live in the shadows, but rather to be bold, to be confident, to live unashamed, to live unafraid, to live unapologetic, to let your light shine bright to a lost and dying world. Jesus tells a third parable. The third parable is the one of the growing seed. And in this parable, he's teaching about the potency and the power of the seed. What is the seed? The seed is God's word. That when God's word goes forward, if someone is gonna reject that, well, then they walk away from it. But if somebody resonates with that, there is nothing that will stop that thing from coming into fruition because God's word does not return void. Somebody ought to get thankful on this Sunday morning that the same God who started the work in you is going to be the same God who's going to sustain that work and finish that work. For he who began a good thing inside of you will carry it out into completion into the day of Christ Jesus. Somebody give him praise today that he doesn't just start stuff in us, he finishes stuff in us. Now that seed is so potent and so powerful that when it takes root in your life, it continues to work in the daylight and it continues to work even when you're sleeping at night. The point of the parable is that while you rest, God, he continues to work on your behalf. But this fourth parable is the one that we've opened today. And this fourth parable is where Jesus says, the kingdom of God, he says, how should I describe the kingdom of God? Meaning, I think a lot of times when people think about my kingdom, they have this one set of words, epic, massive, grand, suddenly, immediate, phenomenal. But Jesus says, it's not that it's not those things. I just, I want to describe it to you with another set of words. And so he says, my kingdom is like a mustard seed. My kingdom is like a mustard seed. Out of all the things that Jesus could have chosen, he chooses something so small, something so little, and something that seems to be insignificant, yet there's power on the inside of it. This idea of God's kingdom I want to let you know that this is why Jesus came, that this is what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. The reason why you're leaning into a stream and the reason why you serve and the reason why you give and the reason why you gather when you're allowed is because we're establishing the kingdom of God on this earth. We are bringing heaven down to earth. I know there's a lot of people in 2021 who are really proud to be an American. I'm not against people being proud of their country or proud of their nation. 
All I am saying is that we ought to be much more proud of the fact that we are citizens of another kingdom, that we are called to establish the kingdom of God. That's what the church is. The church is an embassy amidst the darkness. The church operates under a different power, under a different rule. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And the only way that God's kingdom is established is through this word faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. But we say, okay, well, how much faith then do I need, Rich, to establish the kingdom of God? How big does it need to be? And Jesus says, you only need the size of a mustard seed. I would call that small faith. The writer of Hebrews who is giving us a picture and a glimpse that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He is the fulfillment of the old covenant. The entire book of Hebrews is the fact that Jesus fulfills prophecies. He is the fulfillment of the old covenant. The whole book is all about Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews makes it very clear. You want to know what faith is? Faith by definition, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, now faith, today faith, faith right now in this moment, faith in 2021 is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. Meaning faith is the ability to be sure and it's the ability to be certain about certain things. But many times people, when they think about this word faith, they have all these misconceptions. One of the biggest misconceptions that people have about faith is a lot of people think that um, to be a person of faith, it just simply means to have good vibes, to be positive. There's a lot of people that have faith in faith. Let me just tell you something. Um, Faith and faith, it sounds nice and it sounds good. Hey man, just keep it positive. But in all reality, there is no power in putting faith in faith. See, it's not about the size of your faith that determines the outcome of your faith. It's only the object of your faith that does that. So what do you mean, Rich? Faith has to have an attachment Faith must be connected to an object. For instance, if I bring up a chair up on the stage and the chair is broken, it doesn't matter how much faith I have in the chair. If I sit on it, I can say, I believe this chair is going to hold me up. But if the chair in itself is broken, it will collapse. In the same way, I can jump in a swimming pool and have a life jacket on and I can say, I believe in the life jacket. I have confidence and faith in the life jacket. And that's cool to say all those things, but the only reason why the life jacket is holding me up is because the object is strong enough to do so. What I want you to see today is that it's not about the quality or the size of your faith. It's about the object and the attachment of your faith. It has no power to simply say, I believe for more things and I'm grateful to to, to be healthy and I believe that the best is in front of me. That's fine. You can believe all of that, but what is that attached to? The other day, um, we were putting up a brand new TV in my house, this big, huge 70-inch TV that my brother-in-law got me. And it was on one of those really cool stands that like pivots and swivels. And I have a handyman that I trust. He's certified. He's got a tool belt. He's like the real deal, legitimate guy. And so I said, hey, I don't know how to hang this. You know, I, I, I'm not good at building things. I'm good at praying for things. Hello? And so I said, would you come over to the house? And, and so I paid him money and he hung this big TV up and he called me and said, hey, that, the, the TV is set up at the house. I said, cool. Literally just a week or so ago, and I, I walk into my house and um, I go, wow, look at this TV. I looked at it, looked at it and it was, he had done such a good job. All the sheetrock was smooth. And I, I walked over and I just, the stand is meant to, to tilt it different ways. And so I just adjusted it just slightly. 
And I adjusted it slightly. I went and sat down on the couch. And God is my witness. Within 10 seconds, I'm sitting there. It was like an act of God. It was a suddenly moment. The entire TV fell off the wall and crashed onto the floor and shattered everywhere. I mean, honestly, it happened so quick. I thought it was a judgment from God. I was like, oh my goodness, do I have hidden sin? Lord, what did I do? I repent. I was repenting. I was like, I know I, I'm for you. The whole thing had fallen and shattered. Well, I called the handyman. I said, bro, you're supposed to be the best at your job. What just happened? He said back to me, he, go, he said, what did you do? <laughs> I said, nothing. I didn't do anything. You must have hung this thing wrong. Well, he came to the house the next day and he opened up the wall. And to his amazement, what he discovered was, was that the sheetrock, which is supposed to be on the wooden beams of the structure of the house, was actually an additional three inches off of the wooden beam. Therefore, when he hung the TV up, he hung it straight into sheetrock. It was not attached to something stronger than the sheetrock. And so it looked good for a moment. And the sheetrock was smooth and the cables were hidden. But the moment that somebody come and just barely touched it, the moment I came and just slightly adjusted it, the moment there was an external touch from the outside, before you knew it, the entire thing came crashing down. Can I preach to you for a moment? There are many of you out there that you can look good on the outside. You can come to church in your Sunday best. You can Instagram the right thing. But I'm telling you, the moment something from the outside touches you, the moment there is some opposition, the moment there is a, there's a time that you have to persevere, unless your faith is attached to something sturdy, unless you are drilled into the gospel, unless there is an object of what you're believing in, his name is Jesus Christ. Well, then you will crumble and you will fall. Oh, but friend, if you find yourself attaching yourself to the person of Jesus, the scripture says weapons may form, but they will not prosper. You will withstand the storm. You will continue to be strong, not because you have great faith, not because your faith is so large, but rather because your faith is attached to one who is unshakable, unmovable, to the one who with withstands and endures all things. His name is Jesus. You have to be attached to Jesus. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in Jesus. Jesus says, when you get attached to me, I don't need great faith. I, I just need small faith. It's like if you're falling down a mountain and you reach out and you grab a branch and the branch sustains you. Was it because of your great faith or was it because you simply reached out and that object was strong enough? That's a picture of faith. Faith comes from a place of desperation that I'll reach out and touch Jesus. Jesus, he, he speaks to us in this form of a parable and he said, this is how you establish my kingdom. And V1, just hear me right now. You want God to do something big? God says, will you do something small? Will you keep serving? Will you keep being consistent? Will you stay patient? Will you keep your joy? Will you keep believing in me? When things touch you, when things adjust you, you will not crumble and you will not collapse, but rather those things won't prosper in your life. You will stay attached to me. There's three little observations I want to give you today about what small faith does. Three things that small faith does. I'm going to do this quickly today. I want you to write these down because if you're wondering, do I have what it takes with small faith? Just three things. Number one, Small faith sees in the seed. Small faith sees in the seed. How many know um, 
Just because you can't see something doesn't mean that you can't believe in it. I have never seen God, but I believe in God. Well, Rich, that sounds unreasonable. Does it really? Do you believe in the wind? Yeah, of course I believe in the wind. Well, why? Well, because I felt it before. I've experienced it. I've witnessed its power. Down here in South Florida, all of us can testify about the effects and the strength of wind. Although I've never seen wind, I've experienced wind, therefore I believe it. Listen to me. Faith has to get comfortable with invisible things. Small faith sees in the seed. Small faith understands that when God does something, he begins them in a very small seed format. The other night I had a small group at my house and we do these things called Vu Cruz. Vu Cruz are our small groups. I think every one of you at V1 should be doing life in a group. Uh, We need to have a large gathering, but then, hey, come on, we're gonna work our faith out in a small group. Small faith for a small group. And uh, we do these discussion guides based upon sermons. The way that you access the discussion guide is by going to the internet, vuchurch.com slash crew, and then you can read along and you can follow the discussion guide. And so I had some new people at my crew that night and they were at my house and they asked me for the Wi-Fi password. I gave them the Wi-Fi password, which happens to be my entire life in a password, my bank accounts, my children's trust, uh, my safety deposit boxes. You have my Wi-Fi password. You got all of me, okay? So I gave that to them willfully, but about five minutes into it, they they were having a hard time connecting to the internet. So we had to stop the crew and help them because they were trying to get it. And so it was about five to seven minutes to, to get them onto the internet so they could get the guide for themselves. I remember watching it and remembering the entire time the whole time while they were trying to get on the internet, never once did they say, you know what? This is taking longer than I anticipated. You know what? This is really disappointing. I don't believe in Wi-Fi anymore. You know what? I've had it. I've tried too many times. Wi-Fi does not exist and I do not need the internet any longer in my life. I give up. I quit. I am so disappointed. No, they didn't do that at all. Instead, you know what they did? They just kept trying until they got connected. Can I be honest with you? There's a whole lot of people in church today that have more faith in Wi-Fi than they do Jesus. Oh, friend, you can't see Wi-Fi, but you know it's there and you know it is connecting you to something great. This is how faith works. Faith is a lot like Wi-Fi. You can't see it, but you know it has the power to connect you to what you need. And can I just be honest with you today? God is better than Google. Some of you are asking Google questions that only God can answer. Don't give up just because Jesus doesn't show up on your timeline. Don't quit just because it's taking you a little bit longer to get connected. Keep on trying, keep on believing, keep on hoping, keep on praying. Don't stop now just because you can't see it manifest yet. Small faith sees in the seed. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. In another verse in Matthew 17, Jesus says, A, the reason why you couldn't cast out those demons is because you have little faith. He says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, nothing would be impossible. A mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds on the planet. In fact, if I had it in my hand right now, you would not be able to see it from that camera lens. It's about one to two millimeters in size. In many ways, it's practically invisible. A mustard seed is so little. 
And when Jesus said to his disciples, you have such little faith, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. He was not giving them a literal size to their faith. In fact, he was speaking in expression. What he was trying to say is, he was saying, it's not that you have little faith, it's that you have no faith. Because if you had invisible faith, if you had mustard seed faith, if you had just had a one millimeter size of faith attached to me, you could do anything. Jesus wasn't saying their faith was little. He was saying, you don't have any faith at all. And you've given up because it hasn't happened the way that you wanted to. I want to encourage you today, V1 Church, look into the seed. When God does something, he does it in a seed format. What do you see in the seed? What do you see in the invisible? What do you see in the seed of your children? What do you see in the seed of your spouse? What do you see in the seed of your career? What do you see in the seed of your job? What do you see in the seed of your dream? How about this? What do you see in the seed of V1 Church? Four years old? Oh man, your best days are in front of you. You don't need great faith. You need small faith. Just little by little, moment by moment, day by day. Small faith sees in the seed, but also small faith works in the dirt. Write that down. Small faith works in the dirt. Listen to me. A seed without soil, well, doesn't have much value. A seed's potential is only revealed once it's planted in the dirt. And in this verse in Mark chapter 4, verse 31, what sticks out to me and what I want to title this message, because I want you to hear this today. He says, the kingdom of God, your faith is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed. It's one millimeter in size, practically invisible. Verse 32, here is the power of the verse. It is so small, verse 32, yet when planted, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. What we would know about a mustard seed is that it has the potential to grow to some 30 feet in height, 30 feet in width at times. It becomes the largest of all garden plants in the ancient world. This small speck, this small insignificant little tiny bitty thing is packed with potential. Oh, I know today that as you're going through life, things appear to be small, yet when planted, they can become large. They can become massive. They can, they can begin to grow. I know today your purpose it seems small, yet when planted, your gifts are small, yet when planted, your dreams are small, yet when planted, your resources are small, yet when planted, your education is small, yet when planted, your finances are small, yet when planted, your skills are small, yet when planted. What does it mean to plant? It means to release that which God has given you, to surrender it over to Him and watch as you say, God, I'm gonna give everything I got and I'm gonna surrender it to your glory. You better get ready. You serve the God who does exceedingly, immeasurably, more than you could ever ask think or imagine, yet when planted, something that's small becomes large. It begins to grow. There's no telling what God can do when something is planted, when something is surrendered over to you. I just felt in my spirit, I've been saying it to our church, I want to say it to V1 right now. The whole premise and the whole point of this talk today is I want you to hear me loud and clear. What you got 
is a lot when planted. Everything you have right now today is all that you need to be used by God, but you've got to, you've got to plant it. You see, in the same way that seed has potential, the dirt has purpose. In small faith, it works in the dirt. I, I grew up in church, and so this is going to sound probably bizarre to you, but I just grew up in church, and I've, I've watched these metaphors and these illustrations all throughout the Bible. There's all these agricultural, you know, metaphors. And I've often wondered, if the seed could speak, what would the seed say about being planted? Because we use that language in church, right? Is she planted? Is he planted, brother? Are you planted? Okay, I, I, cool language, but somebody tell me, what does it actually practically look like or feel like to be planted? Let me just break it down for you. It feels like dirt. Hey, Mr. Seed, if you could speak, can you tell me what is it like being planted? Is it enjoyable? That little speck of invisible, just feeling invisible, feeling so small, feeling so little, and then a hole is dug out, and then you're dropped into a hole, and then the darkness overtakes you, and the soil lands on top of you, and the weight. Is it comfortable down there? What's the pressure like down there? Is that, is that an exciting experience? I gotta believe the seed would say, no, it's scary down here. I gotta believe that the seed would say, it's dark down here. I gotta believe that the seed would say, at times, it does not feel like anything is gonna sprout. It does not feel like anything is gonna grow upward. All it feels like is the weight is going downward. I don't know how I'm gonna make it. I don't know how I'm gonna come up. I don't know how I'm gonna grow. The pressure and the weight is almost unbearable. But as a seed, I gotta let the dirt do the work. Because as a seed, I must remind myself that although it might feel like I am buried by this life, I remind myself I am not buried, I am planted. Therefore, it is just a matter of time before something begins to blossom, before something begins to flourish, before something begins to grow. Don't give up, let the dirt do the work. There's dirt in your life. It could be pain. It could be weakness. It could be challenges. It could be obstacles. And if we're not careful, we'll pray, God, take all the dirt away. But a better prayer is, God, let the dirt do the work. I need the dirt to refine me and to shape me that I might flourish and that I might grow. The seed has potential, but the dirt has purpose. Dirt has purpose. I'm telling you, don't run from the obstacles. Don't run from the pain. God's using it to refine you. God's using it to speak to you. I was talking to my therapist the other day, and um, I see a counselor every week, and I was chatting with her, and we were having a vulnerable conversation, and I was just explaining to her how I've got these habits and these practices in my life that are healthy practices and healthy habits, but at this moment as I was talking to her, I was like, there's not a lot of feeling attached to it. And we started just talking about some of my feelings and it's been a strange time. Even right now, as I'm preaching to you, I'm just in an empty room shouting at a camera and, you know, I'm a true extrovert and meaning I draw a lot of energy, a lot of motivation, a lot of encouragement from people. 
So we were chatting back and forth, and it was just one of those moments where she reframed something, where she helped me get some insight, and it gave me a revelation. She said, Rich, there's no doubt that this season of life, as you're going through the motions, that it kind of feels odd and awkward. You're used to gaining energy from people. That's who you are. And in this season, so much proximity with people has been cut off. You don't see the same people when you preach. You're not seeing thousands of people in a room. You're not getting the feedback that you're used to. But Rich, maybe you can retrain your brain to look at this season with a new lens. Rich, maybe in this season, you could define once and for all who you're doing your ministry for. Is it for people first or is it for God first? And I know it's a simple lesson that we should all know, but for me, it just hit me right in the moment because all of a sudden, it was an opportunity for me to look at the pain or the obstacle that's in front of me that's been pushing me away from um, the right mindset. And all of a sudden, I saw the dirt and I said, I'm gonna let the dirt do the work. Because how many know the human spirit is powerful? The human, I mean, the human spirit is powerful. There's nothing like being in a room full of people, full of faith. You can sense their faith. You can sense their inspiration. You can sense their motivation. But I don't want to be moved, driven, and motivated by the human spirit. Oh, friend, what would happen if you begin to pour your life out for the Holy Spirit? What would happen if you drew all of your energy and all of your motivation and all of your satisfaction and all of your fulfillment, not from the human spirit, but solely from the Holy Spirit? I got a feeling that you haven't seen effectiveness yet. I got a feeling that you haven't seen power yet. I have a feeling that you haven't seen your best days yet. But you got to let the dirt do the work. Dirt can either help you or hurt you. You decide. Faith sees in the seed. Faith, it, it, it works in the dirt. And then lastly, as we close today, faith rejoices in the harvest. This dirt's helping you or hurting you. You decide. It's like storms and obstacles. They either push you towards Jesus or pull you away from Jesus. You decide. You can either make progress or you can make excuses. You can't make both. Let me say it again. You can either make progress or you can make excuses. You can't make both. You can't live your life going forward complaining and making excuses. It will stall you. It will stop you. You don't have to be the best today. You just got to get better today. So faith sees in the seed. It sees things in the invisible. It keeps on trying to get connected. Faith, it works in the dirt, the pain, the obstacles, the challenges. They're, they're helping this seed grow. But finally, when the harvest comes, faith rejoices in the harvest. I just think a lot of people, they don't get this, but I want to teach this to you. There is no such thing as nonstop harvest. Harvest is an occasion. It's not a station. Meaning harvest is a season, not a place. So many people, they're just trying to expedite their life and they just want to go from victory to victory to victory to victory. They just want to live in a constant state of harvest. It's not practical. You don't travel to harvest. Harvest comes to you. Harvest is a result of planting and sowing and waiting and believing. And when the time comes, you rejoice in it, you recognize that God gives you a mountaintop moment that you might inhale new air, but you got to get ready to climb again because there's new battles and there's new challenges and there's new things that await you in Jesus. But when we come to these moments of harvest, we must stop and we must give God praise. I want to live my life this way. Write this down. 
Don't judge your day by your harvest. Measure it by your investment. Get excited about what you're giving. Get excited about what you're sowing. Because harvest will come because harvest is a result of planting. Yet when planted, the seed is small. It's insignificant. Yet when it's planted, the dirt does the work. It's only a matter of time before a harvest comes about. But I don't know if you saw this. Mark chapter four, verse two. Close with this. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. Watch this. With such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. (laughs) What a bizarre kind of random little phrase for Jesus to add onto his teaching. I don't think it's random. I think Jesus is trying to give you and I a picture of kingdom harvest. You see, the reason why we rejoice and the reason why we thank God and the reason why we sow and the reason why we plant is not just so that God can bless us. I don't just rejoice going, God, thank you that you blessed me. No, 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 it's bigger than that. I rejoice and I thank God and say, God, bless me that I might be a blessing to those around me. Do you see that picture? That that seed went into the dirt out of the dirt grew the big, massive, large plant. And now this plant is so large that these random birds who didn't plant seed, these random birds who never got into the dirt, they are able to come and rest under the shade of its branches. Friends, this is a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. This is why we rejoice. God, I pray, Lord, that you would grow me. Not that I might be large so I can be in charge. God, make me so large. God, help us to grow so big that we might provide shade for a lost and dying, hurting, broken world, a world that is desperate, a world that is burned by the pain of the heat of this world. May our church be a place that people can come and experience the shade of the gospel, the shade of community, the shade of being loved. I don't know who you are today, and I don't know who's watching, but I got news for you. If you're in New York City, or if you're watching online, V1 is a church that says, although you did not sow in this house, and although you did not serve in this house, and although you haven't given in this house, All are welcome to come and reap in the blessing of our shade. Come and be refreshed. Come and find mercy. Come and find joy. Come and reap in our blessing. Because we know that he has blessed us, that we might be a blessing to those around us. Therefore, we rejoice on this day that what God is doing in us individually is overflowing, that he might do something greater through all of us corporately. How does all this happen? It happens when we're planted. Not with great faith, with small faith, just little faith. God can do something big with something small. Your best days are in front of you, V1 Church. You stay patient. You stay consistent. You stay faithful. Keep waiting on God. Keep attempting to connect and you watch what God will do You haven't seen anything yet. I look forward to the day that we will hear thousands and thousands and thousands of stories that just like those little birds who came and found shade, there will be thousands and thousands of people that because of your sowing and because of your reaping, they will reap the harvest of your shade that they too will be refreshed from the inside out. Not because of what you've done, but rather because of what Jesus has done through your life. The best really is yet to come. I love you so much. 
I'm praying for you guys in this season. I really believe that you're coming out of this thing stronger and greater. Can't wait to come to visit you guys in person. In the meantime, Miami's open. Come check out the beach. And of course, come hang out with us at Vu Church. I love you. God bless. What an incredible word by Pastor Rich. We are so thankful to his contribution to this house. You know, I said I was gonna make an announcement, here it is. Now you may be listening to this in some time that's not relevant, but if you are listening and Easter is coming up, we actually have two Easter opportunities. We are meeting uh, for our very first Indiana pop-up service at the Art Theater in Hobart, Indiana. Yeah, for real, it's going down. And then we are also all campuses combined in uh, the space at Westbury, which is in Nassau County. So if you live in the tri-state area of either one of those regions, make plans to fly out, drive out, get a hotel, and physically be there, whether it's the space at Westbury or it's the art theater. So Northwest Indiana or New York City, we've got you covered. Everybody else who's watching around the world, please start a watch party and make a commitment to make this the Easter where you see Jesus' power on display. All right, guys, we'll see you this week. Week.